I want to speak today on why every believer needs a covering. And I, my text is Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. It's a well-known scripture. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The broadest definition of sin in the Bible is described as falling short of the glory of God. In other words, the standard that God has set for us in life is His glory. The glory of God is the benchmark. The glory of God is the yardstick of measurement and anything less than that is considered sin in the Bible. Now the concept of glory is a fascinating one and if you search the Scriptures, you will discover that God is seeking to manifest that glory at every stage in our lives. In other words, there's something that He wants all of us to attain to at every phase of our lives so that we are continuously progressing in our onward journey. The danger of the Christian life is atrophy, it's dullness and lukewarmness, and it can easily set in at any stage in our lives. Now, the book of Proverbs helps us to discover some of these amazing benchmarks that God has in each season of our lives. And here are six powerful statements about the glory of God in the book of Proverbs. I want you to track this with me. It says that the glory of children is the Father. The glory of young men is their strength. The glory of man is to overlook transgression. The glory of older men or elderly people is their wisdom. The glory of kings is to search out a matter and the glory of God is to hide a matter. Let me just unpack this very briefly before I dovetail into the message. Proverbs 17 and verse six says, the glory of children is their father. The vision that God has set for us as children are to be reflections of the Father. The biggest problem in the church and in the world today is delinquency in the men in the church or in the family to be role models. Much of the problems relating to drug use and crime and gang violence and gender identity and the often spirit dysfunction in the family can be traced to delinquent, abusive and absentee fathers. When fathers are never around, when they're poor role models, then this is the beginning of the unraveling of many in the family today. And this brings an incredible truth that it is the father who sets the standards in the household, not the mother. Fathers, you cannot abdicate this role. The matriarch, the mother, has a massive role in the family, but she is not the standard bearer. The father is the standard bearer in a family. I know I'm gonna offend some people here today, but this is the truth, amen. Proverbs 20 and 29 says, the glory of young men is their strength. People ask me today, pastor, now that you're older, what do you wanna be most? I wanna be younger, hallelujah. The great blessing of youth is their strength. Young Levites begin at 25 and they retire at 50 mandatorily. And I'll tell you this, retirement in the Bible is very different from retirement and our concept of retirement today. In the Bible, you don't retire, you just transit from one season into another season because your life is gonna be very different. But for young men, their strength is their glory. And that's when they're supposed to give their best to the Lord. When you're young, you're adventurous. When you're young, you go on solo trips. You're willing to take risks. You do crazy stuff. You join Greenpeace. Hallelujah. But this is the period in life where you're supposed to give all your heart, soul, and strength to the Lord. I'm so glad that God called me into the ministry when I was 30 years of age. This is my 33rd year in full-time ministry. I don't regret the life that He has chosen for me. I didn't choose this life. This life chose me, amen. And I didn't waste my youth on, or strength to pursue the things of the world. Unfortunately, many young people, they waste the best years of their lives 
partying, pursuing their careers, dissipation, hanging out with friends, and all this can sap the strength that God has given to you. And when the realization finally kicks in, you are in your late 50s, you are in your 60s, and then you discover that you've achieved nothing for the kingdom of God. It's, it hits you so hard. I want to tell you this, my friends. You, there's more in life than just making money. Amen. Some people die at 35, but they're buried at 75. Think about that. Proverbs 19.11 says, The glory of man is to overlook transgression. You know, you know what the big difference between a man and a woman is? Men have a greater propensity to forgive and forget. And this is a general statement. I know it is, but it is true. Women, for some reason, find it very more difficult to forgive, hence to forget. And I'm not saying that they cannot. All I'm saying is it's more difficult for them. That's why... Uh, they keep bringing things in the past over and over and over again. So if you're a married man, you should forget your mistakes because there's no point in two people remembering the same thing. Come on, hallelujah. If I sound a little misogynistic, I assure you I'm not. I love women and I tell you this, I, I stand and I believe in the role of women in the church, hallelujah. And the reason why God is so protective over the women of the church because you are going to be used mightily in these last days. But if you cannot be used, if you're not in proper covering, you've got to come under proper covering. This is true, ladies and gentlemen, that when a pastor and his wife are attacked by members of the church or if the church grows to the split, I tell you this, it's true. The wife is the one who suffers more because she takes it very personally. Women just find it more harder to forgive. That's why pettiness and trivility in men is so disturbing. That's for women. It's not for us, men. Come on, man. Arise from your smallness. Amen. And the way you do that is to overlook transgression. This is not a matter of sweeping sin under the carpet. No, sir. This is the ability to forgive and keep forgiving until the grace of God is worked in the person, your partner, your spouse. I tell you this, my friends, there's a, a slight difference between long-suffering and forbearance. Forbearance is an evil. You bear with an evil in a person, but long-suffering has to do with circumstances and both are necessary in our lives. Proverbs 20 and verse 29 says, The glory of all men is their gray hair. When a person is old, strength is replaced by wisdom and by experience. When people make appointments to see me, they're not looking for my strength. What they're looking for is my counsel, my wisdom and experience. Nobody ever calls me up and says, Pastor, next week I'm moving house. Can you come and help? <laughs> Job says, His wisdom not found among the aged. Proverbs 25 and verse 2, it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. You know, kings by nature have an inquiring heart. This is what they do. They search out a matter. They don't jump to conclusions. They hear both sides of the story. If there is a dispute in church, ladies and gentlemen, and sometimes we have, this week we have two major disputes in the church between two different sides. We have to mediate. And I don't take sides. People say, sometimes the wife or the husband or the one side says, you got to take my, I don't take sides because God doesn't take sides. Amen. He wants reconciliation. He wants restoration, but he does not take sides. He's on the side of truth and justice. Amen. Amen. And I, I, I just want to say that because, listen, sometimes people, you know, Pastor Young, you got to help me with my so-and-so, and I can't take sides in the situation. Amen. I have to do what is right in the eyes of God. Uh, we find this in the lives of great leaders like David and Solomon who sought out wisdom and understanding. If God raised you to be a leader, man, you need to cry out and ask Him to give you a seeking disposition because if you have a seeking disposition, it's uh, always 
uh, puts you on an accelerated growth mode. Now, Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, the glory of God is to conceal a matter. The God that we serve is a self-revealing God. He's hidden from the eyes of men. If He doesn't show Himself, we will not see Him. If He doesn't speak, we will not hear Him. He can be six inches in front of your nose and you do not know it. All the treasures, mysteries, revelations and rewards in the Bible are all hidden. Jesus talked about the parable of the pearl of great price. He talked about the treasure hidden in the field and all these things are to tell, just to say to us that if you want these treasures, you gotta search them out, my friends. You gotta seek after them. God does not cast pearls to swine. Why would He give you something so valuable, so precious, so eternal to someone who is not interested in it? Come on. If God gives you a revelation, if God gives you a precious truth, you become a steward of the truth. And for goodness sake, don't put it on Facebook. God gives you something so special. He speaks to you in your quiet time. He tells you something. And the first thing we do, we want to take that and put it on, on Facebook. And you are putting it before swine who have no appreciation for the truth. Amen. Another thing is God, if God exposes every matter, no one can stand before Him. Over the last few weeks and months, we've seen a lot of exposure in Singapore. Our political system is being shaken. We've got, you know, but ladies and gentlemen, we all have skeletons in the closet. So let's not judge anybody, amen? Come on. How, how would you like it if God chose to expose all your hypocrisy, foolishness and sin, amen? But if we will humble ourselves and repent, He will forgive and cover. And I discovered what God covers, no man can uncover. What God uncovers, no man can can cover, amen. But the one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that has puzzled me as I was studying the book of Proverbs and I saw these six things that expresses the glory of God. One of the things that puzzled me was, what is the glory of women? Because it's not there in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs covers every stage in a person's life. Children, young men, men, mature men, elderly, kings, even God. But it completely misses the glory of women. Puzzled me. Could it be that women are so complex that Solomon didn't even try to answer the question? <laughs> but I'm glad Paul, the apostle, picks this up in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's a chapter that deals with headship and covering. And I'd like to suggest the one reason why women get into so much trouble is because they don't understand the issue of covering. What is the glory of women? Paul tells us, it's her hair! Woo! Have you ever, husbands, don't, 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 don't raise up your hands, but have you ever had your wife say to you, an hour, two hours, I'll be ready, honey, and three hours later, she's still doing her hair. <laughs> but her hair is a symbol of authority and covering. When women are rightly submitted to hus their husbands in authority, there's not just protection, there's also provision and guidance. Now, please hear me, ladies and gentlemen. I want to say this and I want to say this uh, with, with all simplicity but truth. Every, almost every project of hell today is aimed at the male. Many ads have skimply dressed women. Why? They're after you, men. Pornography is primarily after the male. Seduction is after the male. Corruption is after the male. Because if you can destroy the foundation, the whole house will fall. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. You strike the head of the household, the man, and the whole house will disintegrate. In the Garden of Eden, we're told that the serpent beguiled Eve. Satan was not a match for Adam, for sure. Adam was more than capable of handling that serpent, but not Eve. 
Eve, apart from her husband, was vulnerable. So the serpent zeroes in on Eve and waited and waited for the right time to bait her. And one day when Eve was alone, he jumps at the opportunity, tempts her, and Eve was beguiled into thinking that the fruit was good for food and it was something that could make her wise. She was tempted to eat the fruit. Nothing happened. She picked it up. Nothing happened. She bit it. Nothing happened. She swallowed it. Nothing happened. She took it to her husband. Adam took the fruit, ate it, and the next verse, bam, their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. The realization of sin and nakedness happened the moment Adam took the fruit. Why? Because the commandment not to eat was not, give, was not given to Eve. It was given to Adam. It was given to Adam long before Eve was even created. So it was Adam's job to protect his wife. It was Adam's responsibility to fend off that serpent. God comes along in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9 and He calls out to Adam. He says, where are you, Adam? He didn't call to the woman. He called it a man. Why? Because Adam was the one responsible for the garden, not Eve. Eve was his helpmate. What happened immediately after Adam ate the fruit? They realized they were naked. They tried to make coverings for themselves because the knowledge of sin had exposed them. They had this immediate realization of the need to be covered. And so do we. Adam and Eve, before the fall, were naked, but they were not ashamed because they were covered by the glory of God. But the moment they sinned, the glory lifted and immediately they realized they were uncovered. They tried to cover themselves and this is the number one problem in the, of humanity today. It's how we deal with the sin and with the shame that comes upon us when we stumble into sin. Instead of running to God, we run away from Him. We hide from Him and God is calling us again. Where are you, humanity? Where are you? Because He's come to set us free. Amen. Now hold that thought. I'm going to circle back to this because this is what I want to talk about. But allow me just to explain something about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is just that, it's a kingdom. It's not a democracy, it's not a republic, and it's certainly not a dictatorship. It's a kingdom, and in every kingdom you've got king and you've got subjects. The problem with most of us is we've grown up in a democracy, and so we have very little understanding of how a kingdom actually operates. But the moment you got saved, did you know that you were translated from one kingdom to another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? So today I stand here as a citizen and representative of the kingdom of heaven. That is the proper order. I'm first a citizen of heaven, and then I'm a citizen of whatever country I come from. Three days from now, we will be sitting in front of the television, walking, watching the National Day Parade, and we will be filled with, beaming with pride, and we will laugh at the silly costumes that they'll be wearing, and we will be crying when they sing, there is home truly, right, whatever that song is. Right, and we will cry and we will all stand at attention when the national uh, uh, anthem is being sung. And I'm a patriot, we love our nation. But ladies and gentlemen, I am first the citizen of the kingdom of heaven before I'm a citizen of my nation. Amen. That's a proper order, by the way. Now, we cannot relate with God with a democratic mindset. Voting, by the way, is not a biblical concept because each time the people voted, they voted to go back to Egypt. Now, heaven's domain is... Uh, is Organized in a hierarchy. Angels have different ranks and function and authority. Those of us who've done national service will understand this, right? Now, this, and Satan understands this very well, far better than we do. That's why in the Garden of Eden, watch this, he wasn't interested in the elephant or the donkey. He, they had no authority. 
Who did Satan go after? He went after the one who had the authority and that was Adam. And he understood if Adam could be caused to fall, he could possess all that Adam ruled over. When the enemy comes against the church, his primary target is the leader. That's why we need to pray for our pastors. Because he knows if he can knock the keeper of the house out from his position, then all those under his care becomes vulnerable. This is illustrated in the life of the Apostle Peter. Luke 22, Satan asked the Lord permission to sift Peter. Pete, Satan didn't ask permission for the other disciples. Have you noticed that? He only wanted Peter. Why? Because he knew that Peter was going to be the leader of the apostolic band. The Lord gave him permission. So we must conclude that there are things far more important to the Lord than just shielding us from conflict. There are sessions, there are seasons in our lives where God allows us to be exposed to the enemy because confrontation with evil is part of the curriculum. If Satan is coming against you, you can be assured of two things. Number one, Jesus permitted it and he has a purpose for it. Number two, he will not allow you to face a battle that he has not sufficiently equipped you to eventually overcome. Come on. Amen. When I stand before the Lord and when the dust is settled, I tell you this, I will not be naive of the fact that it's only because of His prayer that brought me through. Amen. Now, Satan's kingdom is also structured as a hierarchy. It's explained in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness in this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The first thing we have to understand about our warfare is it's not against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy, so stop slugging it out on Facebook. Come on. Amen. If you see the, fail to see the manipulations behind the scene, then you're always going to fight with the wrong enemy in the wrong battlefield. But if the, if, if the enemy is, adversary is getting in your face all the time, if you're constantly having to fight the, the enemy, then maybe it's because you're doing the right thing. Hallelujah. Some of you, the devil doesn't even bother you because you're in complicity with him. <laughs> now, because we're in constant conflict, you've got to be covered. One of the reasons why we see so many casualties in the church today is because of a refusal to come under submission or to be covered. David never lost a single battle because he understood covering. Every time he went into battle, he said, Lord, cover me in the day of battle. Cover my head. This is Psalms 140 verse 7. The word for protection is the same word as covering. And as long as you're under covering, you're protected. And every believer ought to be covered. Now, let me just go to the authority structures of the church. This is where it gets a bit dicey. And uh, I'm asking you, especially the women in the church, to bear with me, all right? This is the word of the Lord for you. God's authority structures is given in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 3, it says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Divine order. Everyone has a covering. Even Christ... His head is his father. So it makes a person sound stupid and silly who says, I don't need a head or a covering. It's not what you're over, it's who you are under. The head of every man is Christ. The man is the elder, the priest and the leader of the household. That is the divine order and that's non-negotiable. The head of the woman is man. Women, I want you to know this. This I've got news for you. Christ is not your head. Your headship and authority is your husband if you are married. Husbands, you are your wife's covering. You're the lover. Cover her. No ifs or buts. 
Wives, you have to submit to your husbands, no ifs or buts. But you say, Pastor, you don't understand. My husband is a weak man. He's a weak husband. That is still no excuse for you not to be under his covering. Let me just say this, my friends. A weak head is better than no head. One of my pastors said to his wife recently, he said, I'm your head. She says, your head lah. <laughs> I won't mention who, but the wife was Wendy. <laughs> I know many strong women, many strong women who have great ministries who are at the same time very submitted to their husbands. Very submitted. I think of Heidi. Oh my goodness, she is submitted to Roland. The husband might not be the one with the gift, the charisma, the, the, the oratory gifts, but he's still the head. I say all this to say because I believe that women are going to be released in the last days and they are the great key in the coming revival. God has a secret weapon. It's called women. I was at a conference a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, uh, in Amsterdam. And Rick Warren was speaking, and Rick Warren was booted out in, from the Southern Baptist Convention because he put women in ministry. And they said, we're a Baptist, we don't allow women in ministry. If you choose, you have to choose, or you're out. And they voted him out. But I tell you, when they voted him out, something happened in the heavenlies, I believe with all my heart. And the Lord says, the time has come for the women to rise. I really believe that with all my heart. Trailblazers, secret weapons of the Lord. Now the order of headship doesn't change just because the husband seems to be the weaker in the, than the wife. That's just the divine order. But the wife cannot usurp the authority and the role given to the husband. Amen? I, I know this one day a man came back from work. You know, he was working in a company. He was so discouraged because everyone handpicked him. Handpicked. And uh, you know, he was so discouraged. He said, the wife said, honey, what's the matter? She says, uh, everybody bullies me in this company. In the structure of a hundred stuff, I'm right at the bottom. And the wife says, honey, I want you to know that as long as you're in this family, you'll always be number two. <laughs> Husband and wife having a glass of wine. It was a very romantic night. And uh, the wife says to the husband, I love you. And the husband says, is it you speaking or the wine speaking? She said, it's me speaking to the wine. <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing, right? The wife says to her husband, I want to go on a mission trip. The husband says, no, but she won't submit. So she goes to, she says to the husband, well, I'm going to appeal to Jesus. That don't work with Jesus, my friends. The Lord will say to the wife, he is your Lord, small l, submit to him. Come on, guys, I need your help in this, eh? <laughs> Just need your help. What if my husband is a, not a believer? If he's, if he's okay for you to be a believer, then you still have to be in submission to him. That's what Paul says. He says it's ultimately the chaste behavior of the wife that will win the unbelieving husband over. You don't know how many men that are here today because of their wives. It's true. There are many men here in the church that really despise me when they first came to church. They really were offended by my message. I remember one man uh, re reading the newspapers while I was preaching, right here in the service. <laughs> Just to show his disdain. Oh, I had many people that showed me disdain, but it was the chaste behavior of the wives that brought them to salvation. Hallelujah, amen. Woo! 
Come on for wives, godly wives. What if my husband is abusive? What no? What if my husband is an unbeliever and she says to the wife, you cannot be married to me and be a Christian at the same time. Then that's a different matter. Paul says, then she's free to depart in those cases. What if my husband is abusive? Normally, when there's continual physical abuse, we ask for short separation until the anger issues are resolved or dealt with. This is case by case. God will give you wisdom on this. But if you are a, a real man, you will never touch a woman. Come on, if you're a real man, you will never hit your wife. Amen. You're only a, a, a useless guy if you do that, okay? Honestly, I don't know how, I, I won't say I don't know how many, I know how many men that I've spoken to in Cornerstone, and I said to them, why don't you pick someone your own size? Come on. I said that trembling, right? <laughs> For a single and unmarried Christian woman, your covering is your father. That's what the Bible says. If you don't have a father, if your father is dead, then your authority is your pastor, which is why being part of a local church is so important. You need to listen to your pastor, amen. There are churches I know where the pastors are so high and so mighty that to meet them is like meeting the president. That's not the way of the kingdom. I don't have five bodyguards around me in the service. Trust me on this. At the end of the service, my wife is around. She scares everybody away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a woman should always have a covering When Miriam spoke against Moses he, She was exposed to judgment And she was struck with leprosy Why? Because Moses was a covering When Michal despised David And criticized him openly She was barren till the day she died Why? Because David was a covering You gotta respect your covering Amen Amen now, parents, you have to cover your children, which means pray for them every day. You, th that's how you cover them. Mention them by name before God every single day. Call their names and say, God, cover them, protect them. Children are in turn to obey their parents. Pastors, cover, protect the flock. It's my job to cover and protect the sheep and decree over you. No cancer, no, no premature deaths, no suicides, no abortions, no miscarriages, no sexual immorality. No divorce, hallelujah, amen. Protect this church in the spirit of marriage. God gave us a promise many years ago, really. He gave us a promise, He says, I will keep the spirit of divorce out of this church if you will promote the spirit of marriage in this church. Come on. Now, if your pastor cannot correct you, then he cannot cover you. If you leave every time you are corrected, then you're not looking for a covering, you're looking for a cover-up. There are people, the moment you call him, I want to leave, I will transfer my membership. Then go! <laughs> like that, how to pastor you? And 33 years, I tell you this, there are people that are very hard to pastor. Some people said to me, do you know, remember this guy? He said, I know they are unpastorable. No, seriously, they won't listen. They won't listen to their pastor, they won't listen to the authority. They're just unpastorable. I don't know if that's a word, but that's true. So my, my friends, if your pastors, if your leaders sometimes correct you, love them for the correction, amen? They do it because I met, you know, I, met people, I meet people every week because that's what I do as a pastor. And sometimes I have to bring correction and I try to do it as lovingly as I can. And when I give correction, I always watch their response. I say, you shouldn't be doing this, man. This is not right. I, you know, if you have too much exposure on this and things like this, and I will say this to them and I'll see how they respond to correction. 
Because the moment you rebel against the authority structures over your life, then it gives legal right for Satan to come in and no amount of spiritual warfare can remove him. The moment you come, under, come out of God's covering, you expose yourself to the enemy and unnecessary problems like painting a bull's eye on your back, man. And the authority structures are there to protect you and they need to be respected and need to be obeyed. Now listen to me, my friends. If you're a wife here today, your joy is to start and end in your husband. Read Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is the chapter of the elusive woman. Hallelujah. It begins with the heart of a husband safely trusting in uh, the heart of the wife, safely trusting in the husband in verse 11. And it ends in verse 28. And the husband praises her. So the, the woman in Proverbs 31, that ideal woman, starts with the husband and ends with the husband. What's the point? The joy of a woman is to please her husband because a godly wife longs to be under true spiritual authority. The more the wife submits to her husband, the happier she will be. Where's my wife? Why is she not listening to this message? Someone call her, please. Ruth, that precious woman of God, said to Boaz, spread your covering over your maid. Now, if you are a husband, you should ask yourself, what kind of a head am I? Am I protecting my wife? Am I covering her? There was a scripture in Revelation 2, verse 20, where the Lord's correcting a church in Thyatira, and He says, I have a few things against you because you tolerate, you allow. I don't like that word tolerate, my friends. Uh, You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Jezebel was allowed by the church authorities to function without any covering, without any restraint, without any um, um, uh, uh, um, submission, and she brought the whole church into chaos and in morality she was given time to repent she did not repent and you know what the Lord said He said I will kill your children I will kill your children with death that all the churches may know that I am He who examines the minds and the hearts you say boy that's harsh it's there in the Bible I just read to you out of the book of Revelation chapter 2 the question is how in the world How in the world could a false prophetess function for so long unchecked in a church without any proper covering? I close with this, ladies and gentlemen, and you need to hear my heart about this. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 10. For this reason, a woman ought to have a symbol of authority over her because of the angels. Have you ever read that scripture and says, what is Paul talking about? Because of the angels. The symbol of covering of your head is not just a scarf or a veil. It's a symbol of something more. It's a symbol of covering. Now, I'm going to say a few things as I take this to a landing that are inferred in Scripture but are not definitive. So please bear with me. One time Jesus said to His disciples, I still have many things I want to say to you, but you cannot bear them, all right? But He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all truth. Now, if you ask a Christian, watch this. If you ever ask a Christian, not any Christian, just a, but a Bible-believing Christian, what, when was it that all the evil in the world started? He will tell you it's Genesis chapter 3 because that's when Adam fell in the garden. But if you ask a Jewish man, uh, not any Jewish man, but an erudite, Torah-believing Jew, he will tell you it's Genesis chapter 6. What happened in Genesis chapter 6? There was a class of angels called the watchers in Genesis chapter 6 verse 1 that came down and saw that the daughters of women were beautiful and they took them as their wives and there was an intermingling of the species, a cross-breeding of the species was totally prohibited by God. 
And in the book of Enoch, which is a non-canonical book, a company of angels known as the Watchers disobeyed, crossed that totally forbidden boundary that should have never been crossed and they intermingled with the seed of humankind. And the result was the Nephilim came into being or translated in Hebrew, giant. And it was because of this, God had to send a flood to wipe out their entire hybrid race of half-breeds, the Nephilim. Why? Because there's no redemption for them. They were destroyed. They would have destroyed all of the living creatures on the earth. So a flood was really the necessary reset button. The Jews believed that these watchers corrupted the human race and they, brought, they, were, they were to blame uh, uh, for the proliferation of terrible evil on the earth. They essentially taught mankind every known evil, forbidden knowledge like witchcraft, spells, and introduced great mischief and sin on the earth. Now, although the book of Enoch is not in the canon of Scripture. It was alluded to by the apostles, both Peter and Jude referred to it and showed remarkable knowledge of these books. Jude 14 says, Now Enoch, the seven from Adam, prophesied to these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. This is a direct quotation from the book of Enoch. 2 Peter 2 verse 4, For if God does not spare the angels who sin, but cast them down into hell, this is a place called Tartarus, which is the lowest part of hell, and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Again, this verse is a direct reference to the events in Genesis chapter 6. When Peter wrote this, he expected his readers to understand the context. So women ought to be covered. Why? Because of the angels. Because of the angels. Be covered at all times, my friends. Don't tempt. Ladies, don't tempt the angels. Don't tempt them. Stay under proper covering at all times in the manner prescribed by Scripture. Now, if you don't agree with me or with my pastors on this, if you want to be contentious, then I will say to you, just as Paul said in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 11, if anyone seem contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of Christ. I want you to stand up with me, ladies and gentlemen. Very quickly, we're going to close in prayer. But I want to just say a few things. One more thing I want to just highlight that I think is really important. That's Noah. After the flood, the Bible tells us that Noah and his sons were the only ones left and their wives. And he came, comes out from the ark. And, um, you know, his heart is so broken. He's just lost everybody he knew. He just lost all of humanity. Everything that he understood to be humanity is now destroyed in the flood. And shortly after that, he plants a vineyard and he takes and he drinks from the, the vine and he gets drunk. And while he's in drunk, in the state of drunkenness, he's exposed and he's naked. And one of the sons goes in and he sees the father naked. You know what he does? He goes and he blabs it to the other boys. But the other two sons come in with, and they refuse to look at the father's nakedness. And they carried a, a blanket and they walk backwards with their back facing the dad, covered the father. When, when Noah got up and found out what would happen, he cursed the son who blabbed the, who, who exposed his nakedness. That was, of course, Ham. And, uh, and Canaan and all his descendants were cursed after that. Ladies and gentlemen, I just, want, I, I just want to bring up that scripture to you just to say, be very careful how you speak about your covering. Be very careful how you speak about your spiritual fathers. They might be, they might be in a state of pain and they might be exposed your job is not to blab the exposure, it's to cover them, cover them, cover them. We're not covering up, we're covering, amen? That's a big difference. And I thought to share that with you because, you know, sometimes we're very quick to judge our leaders when they stumble. Some of the politicians, I've been writing to them, 
praying with them and saying, God's with you, don't worry, we've got your back. Standing with them because they need to know the church will not abandon them in the moment of distress. Amen. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, I want to pray for you today, right now. I want you just to lift up your hands and I'm going to speak the covering of the Holy Spirit. Every person in this church needs to be covered. Children, you need to be covered. Uh, wives, you need to be covered. Husbands, you need to be covered. Every one of us, we need to be covered. Hallelujah. Even Jesus Himself, the head of the church, is under submission and authority to the Father. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that this is the Word of God. We cannot change it. We cannot um, rewrite it, Lord. This is the non-negotiable Word of God. And I pray, Father, that we will obey it, Lord. We will, we will lay the foundation, as I lay the foundations here in this church, Lord, that this Word will be obeyed, Lord. I thank You also that we're in a season where women are going to be released, the likes of which we've never seen before. But Lord, in history, we it bears witness, God, that many women also went astray. They went into false teachings and false prophetesses Lord, arose from amongst the people and that the reason for that is because they were not under proper covering it wasn't the gift was wrong they were not under proper covering and the devil saw this as an opportunity to come in and deceive them but we pray right now in Jesus' name that Lord there will be proper order and cover in this house hallelujah that everyone will be covered and I speak the blood of Jesus as a covering over Cornerstone right now hallelujah in Jesus' name hallelujah I want to just close by balancing everything I've said by allowing my spouse to speak amen they'll give you just fair time just two minutes not more right and the clock starts now amen God is so good I speak a blessing over the women is that what you're saying all right, hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this uh, gift of tongues as well, Father. We thank you, Father, for the revelation, Lord, that the Holy Spirit brings to us and open our eyes, Father, to see things clearer, Father. Lord, we thank you for the word of truth, Father, and for the abiding of the Holy Spirit, the anointed one, Lord, that leads us into all truth, God. And Father, we pray, Lord, with the hearing of the ear as we have heard, O oh God, that Father, by faith, Lord, we will receive, Lord, what we have heard. Father, I thank you for your word, that your word is true, for oh God. That Father, when we read the word of God, Father, we see episodes, Lord, we see narratives, oh God. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, as I have read, Lord, from um, Mary, Lord, when the angel appeared, Father, Lord, she was troubled. But upon that word, she believed, Lord. For Zacharias, he was troubled. But he said, can it be? And Lord, you shut his mouth out that, Lord, he doesn't say any more things, Lord, to cause doubt. And Father, for the women, I pray especially, there's always this deep desire, Lord, in the women, Father. Lord, to want to be loved, accepted, covered. To want to receive something that they know is better than what they have had. And Lord, there's always this desire in them, Lord, to believe, to believe, to believe when the truth is revealed. And Father, I pray in this household, in Cornerstone, that whenever the word of truth is preached, Father, there will be belief in their hearts, Lord. 
And Lord, they will rise in faith as women of God, daughters of the King, Father, to see mighty exploits, Father. And they will order their footsteps, Lord, according to the covering that, Lord, You have granted, Lord, to each one, Lord, according to the order, Lord, that You have given. Lord, we know, Father, that whatever You have sanctified, by your word of truth shall be sanctified. So bless these, Lord, your women. Bless all the women in this household of faith. In Jesus' name, Amen. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.